0: So we're building MeerKat, which is a 64-antenna array. That's the, that's a the project that we're under construction with now in South Africa. Yes. And That project will come to an end in twenty in March 2018. Not come to an end; will the construction will come to an end, and then we'll start with science in March 2018. Yes. And then that that project will run for five years of observation while SKA Phase One has been built. And SKA Phase One in South Africa means that another hundred and thirty three antennas will be incorporated, and that will bring, of which Meerkat will be incorporated, and that will bring the total number of antennas in South Africa to 197. Yeah? Okay. So that, that is what forms SKA Phase I. Um, we have, with SKA Phase One, we have had um, the rebaseline, which was done two years ago. Um, and we so we had a cost cap of 650 million euro on SK Phase One. That is from the international organisation. Remembering that Meerkat was is being built by South Africa and using South Africans um, and using South African money. So that means that um, we're following the PFMA, the Public Finance Management Act, um, in the administration of Meerkat. But when we go into S.K. Phase 1, we'll be using um, procurement laws that have been determined by a treaty agreement between all of the participating member and observing countries. And that treaty agreement, as you can see in the slides, are being developed at the moment. And once and we expect to have that treaty agreement signed later this year. All right. So... So, once a treaty agreement has been established, uh, we would be able to understand um, what the design is, what the procurement laws are around it from an international perspective, and who will be constructing it, and what the host country responsibilities are for the construction. So, what we've got so far is that a prototype phase of SK Phase 1 has already happened. On site, they've already started digging the prototype. The prototype means is that you've, you've got a design. You need to, we need to build the first design as a prototype and then place it under numerous amounts of tests before we go into large-scale production. In preparation for SK Phase 1, we've also done a strategic environmental assessment um, or an impact evaluation and monitoring assessment of the area, and that was commissioned by the Department of Environmental Affairs and implemented by the Council for Science and in what? Scientific and Industrial Research, CSIR. So they have um, done the environmental impact assessment of SK Phase One, and those reports have been published for, for, for comment and it will be finalized very shortly.
1: How will Meerkat and um, SK Phase I um, fit in together, complement each other once, once um, Meerkat is finished next year?
0: It is quite visionary for South Africa to build MeerKat um, because what it means is that you've got a South African instrument that will operate for five years before SKA Phase One comes online. So up until that time, South Africa will have the largest radio telescope in the world through MeerKat. Um, and MeerKat will so MeerKat will come on fi- online. It's it's already we've already had 16 antennas integrated. and We now have 32 antennas integrated on a single on a single polarization correlator, later this year, this calendar year, we will then incorporate SCARAB onto the 32 antenna, and then you'll have a dual polarization all from SKA uh, 32 antenna. And by March next year, you would have had all 64 antennas built, um, and later March, you will then have all 64 coming online. So that means for the next five years, you will have Scientific research being done off from a South African instrument that will be the largest radio telescope prior to the build of SKA Phase One. We've had um, a number of science, uh, scientific research areas identified for MIRCA, um which is uh, which has been outlined on the website with different research areas. But this involves the international research communities. Priority research is, is given to legacy projects, what they call legacy projects, so there will be verifications of of current um, uh, theories such as Einstein's uh, law of relativity, relativity and also the uh, laws mm-hmm. of gravitational wave theories. Uh,
1: now that you're busy with the Meerkat, what have been some of the challenges that you guys have experienced?
0: Um, well, it was we also like what we're doing now with SK Phase 1. We built a prototype, and that prototype, Told us what were the what those challenges would be, among other things. So, so the design and the rollouts constantly informed what are the improvements that need to be made. Um, remember, we built Cat 7 as a precursor to Mircat, um, and from there already we learned a few key key components to the to the design. For example, the shift from a um, the type of antenna that Cat7 is where the reflector is sitting in the middle of the dish to this Gregorian uh, offset design and also making sure that when you have your indexer, you are able to employ or place all of your receivers as well as your digitizer on the indexer. And while that poses some RFI challenges, it also um, also means that there are uh, increased accuracy around the around the um, correlation of the antennas. So, so there, was, there were these constant challenges, and that's what a big science project like this does. It, 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 you, are, you, you can't buy anything off the shelf. It requires new design. It requires innovative thinking, and because of that, you're constantly facing challenges. But it means that you're pushing the boundaries, and therefore out of a project like this, you'll get innovative uh, technology. Other challenges would obviously be around local communities. You know, it is it is important to make sure that the local communities benefit from the project. Um, and when we started buying up land, we we encountered quite a huge resistance um, from the local communities. Um, but we've also come to realize that there are there are complex issues in the local community, and and there's a big need for community development projects. So that's our focus. We are committed to making sure that the community, the local community benefits from the project because this will be in a, a relationship of at least 50 years. And we need to make sure that our neighbors um, are, uh, benefit from this international project in their backyard.
1: And I see that um, a lot of students and a lot of people have benefited in, in terms of employment-wise in this project. Can you tell me more about that?
0: Sure. So there has been one of the benefits for the local communities, um, as was outlined to the members of the parliament, was um, making sure... So so there were five strategic approaches to making sure that the local community benefits from the area. The one is the identifying and and nurturing of a talent among, among the youth in the area. And the second one would be making sure that the youth... Are encouraged to participate in the project. So these exposure outreach um, programs. Then the third one is make sure that there's economic benefits. Um, so so that is by making sure that the small businesses um, are being provided with commercial opportunities, and that is important because we want to be able to our influence in that communities to diversify the economy of that area, so that there's a so that so that we can. Make sure that people are not only dependent on the agricultural sector as they are at the moment, um, but there's a diversification of the, of the economy. Um, and then we need to make sure that there are community development interventions because of that community, uh, because of the neglect over many years, have been left with many social ills. Um, and the fifth area is to make sure that do not compromise the connectivity of that area. So to build a radio telescope you need to manage the radio frequency interference in the area, and that would mean that it would have an implication on which which are the available spectrums for communities with which to communicate or receive signals, such as television signals. And that's the reason why the Carnarvon community was the first community to be involved in this digital migration process. And in terms of communications, we've made sure that alternative communications are rolled out in the area where there was no communication before. So farmers and farm workers now have um, trunk radio systems, and we are now in the process of of expanding those, that technology, to make sure that, that emergency services, municipal services, also have access to communication. Let me put you into perspective. If you were to get onto an ambulance from Carnarvon to Williston, There is no coverage, network coverage, no cell phone coverage between those two towns. And it's not because of of SKA. It's because the cell phone operators just didn't see it financially viable to have any service provision in that area. So, So now we have placed an alternative form of communication in that area that will make sure that when you are getting into an ambulance in Carnarvon and you're travelling to an accident, you actually are able to give feedback to your base station, which was never the case before. So you can imagine the risk for not having connectivity. In terms of jobs, um, so far, out of the construction of Meerkat um, and Cat 7, 7, 7,284 employment opportunities were created by the project. for just one project, which is the YERA, which is an American invested project, 1.7 million rand was spent on sourcing materials for the build of that instrument from local suppliers. So we are making sure that there's a localization aspect um, in the construction and that local communities benefit from the project. I understand the
1: SKA um, head office is in um, the UK. Um, what are they doing
0: currently? Okay, so so their responsibility, let me just also place into perspective where the head office fits in the whole process. So SKA um, is made up of many partner countries. Um, uh, Let me just get this into perspective. So so there are many partner countries. There are 10 member countries, which is Australia, Canada, China, India, Italy, New Zealand, South Africa, Sweden, Netherlands, and the United Kingdom. Um, two of those are host countries, South Africa and Australia, uh, for escape phase one. For escape phase two, the host countries will expand across eight other African countries across the African continent. Um, the headquarters was set up in, in Manchester, and there was a competition between Manchester and Italy to host the, the headquarters. And that becomes the administrative strategic house from which the entire international project is run. So you've got a headquarters which is now set up in Manchester. Uh, the treaty, that headquarters will be managed by the governance structure defined by the, by the treaty organization, which is being signed later this year. And then you have these member countries and host countries um, that, will, that will be managed from that office.
1: Uh, um, Dr. Rob um, delivered his um, address yesterday, um, uh, did the MPs get to ask him questions? Were they impressed um, with the update so far?
0: Definitely, they asked questions. Uh, in fact, we were very impressed by the interest of the members of the project. Um, there were very, very intriguing questions asked. People were asked. Uh, members asked questions around um, our bursary program. Uh, you know, they felt that we are there are too few females on the bursary program, and what are we doing to make sure that 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 changes? That more women are being offered bursaries, and what are our efforts to make sure that that change is brought about? Um, they asked questions about uh, connectivity for the local communities. Um, they also asked about questions around the sustainability of the project. Um, and our involvement and how the project relates to the involvement across the other eight African partner countries, um, so there were there were very insightful questions asked um, from the members. everybody were stated how impressed they were with the project and the fact that the project remains on budget and on schedule um, and having exceeded expectations um, We have always made sure that that whatever the scientific requirements were from the instruments and from our different phases of delivery that the that we 've exceeded the expectations in fact the instruments are forty to one hundred percent more sensitive than what they already originally spec to be um, and and that has really raised uh, a, a lot of uh, confidence among the members yesterday
1: and basically to the question that that the few um bursaries awarded to women. What was your response to
0: that? The grant, our human capital development program, stretches uh, a a huge um, uh, scope. So since the inception of the program, we've awarded 943 grants. And that covers the professional areas from, um, you know, research chairs, which is which is the awards for established researchers to be able to come and nurture talent. And that has been very successful because that means that we're bringing in expertise from other countries to come and nurture and build talent here in South Africa. So if you think of brain drain or a proper investment in knowledge economy, this is a perfect example of how that works. You are, instead of having expertise in South Africa, skills being developed here, and then leading the country. Because this is a big science infrastructure, it attracts um, skills from across the globe to come to South Africa. And in order to support that, we've issued six research chairs, awards to six research chairs. And then you've got um, bursary programs awarded to postdoctoral, doctoral, master's students, undergraduates, and then Students from the local area. So we've got nine um, students who were previous matriculants at the Carnarvon High School, which is a first. This was a school. This is the only school in that area that offers math and science at higher at at a, at, a, at a level that allows for university exemption. So therefore, we we then sponsor learners from all the towns in that region to attend that high school, and we also support that high school with uh, supplemented teachers um, and also ICT infrastructure. And then we've also got an interns program as well as an FET and Artisans program. So the FET, 72 FET and Artisans have benefited from this program so far, where they are placed on, at an FET college, fully, fully bursered or, f- or fully funded, and then through our partner organizations, we provide them with workplace experience, and some of them we employ within the project. Um, the number of women, coming back to your question, is out of the 943 is 257 women, which is very low. Um, and we have realized that our approach to just doing calls for proposals this is not encouraging the increase of that number. So what we are doing, remembering also that this, these, the funding program is not only for South Africans, but also for other African students coming from the other eight African partner countries. So what we are doing now to fix that is to make sure that our calls for proposals go out specifically for women. Um, And we're also working with our uh, established researchers in the program to look at ways of attracting women into science. And I think uh, the, the figures are also indicative of a much bigger problem of where women are not part of scientific program and scientific construction programs and engineering programs. So, so it's a it's a broader issue that needs to be addressed. But we are certainly putting steps in place to make sure that that two hundred and forty seven out of nine hundred forty three will increase.